This morning, one of the things that we would normally do is is have all the kids come in with their palm leaves, sing Hosanna. Uh, but if that would be if the pastor had done what he should have done and got all that together. So, so, but in the spirit of of what we're talking about this morning, now you've all been to parades, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Watch your head. Yeah, yeah. See if anybody's going to run out in the aisle. Nobody. There you go. Somebody run. Here you go. Woo. Oh, there you go. There you go. All right. All right. Well, I think you all get the idea. Well, they're the only ones that jumped out in the aisle. Anybody else want candy? Oh, we got some. Okay. There you go. Debbie says, don't you mean Don't hurt me. Anybody else? Anybody need candy? If it'll keep you awake, I'm all for it. All right. Well, this is this is Palm Sunday, and 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 it's a. I mean, I like to have fun in church, but um, it's a serious a serious week. You know, as we think about uh, what's about to happen in this week uh, biblically, as we think about in the life of Christ, the the things that had to be going through his mind. You know. We believe that Jesus Christ was uh, completely God and completely human at this point. We believe that Jesus knew everything that was about to take place in the next few days. And in his heart, in his mind, as he was going through this, can you imagine? In, in the human side, the thoughts that he was having as he was preparing himself. He had been preparing his disciples for, for three and a half years, he, he was talking to these, these hard-headed men. You know, Randy can kind of appreciate that in the men's group, you know. Trying to, he's trying to get something accomplished, and, and we just want to eat and we want to talk. Yeah, Come on now, Randy, don't shout me down. Now, and, and Randy's sitting there with his lesson all prepared, and he's, he's like, he's wait. Randy's too nice a guy. <laughs> Randy's too nice. The pastor just jump on you guys and say, all right, guys, shut up. It's time for the lesson. But Randy's a nice guy. But, but you know, and, and so think about Jesus. He's been, he's been preparing for this week for three and a half years. He's been preparing for the events that are about to unfold. And, and he knows the pain he's going to suffer. He knows what's taking place. And yet, he goes through it anyway. Now, I want to share a story and... and uh, Man, Lynn's not in here, but she, Lynn and I, of course, we grew up together in church as children, and I'm not going to get to the Bible yet, but keep shaking it because I might forget. Um, but my grandma, Grandma, Grandma Howe, she always taught these awesome lessons to us little kids. And I so vividly remember this lesson that she taught about this hen. And so I looked it up, and, and I was trying to find, and, and so I found a couple of different things here, and I'm going to read. A forest fire burnt down a farmhouse in western Canada. Now, I can't say this actually happened, but, it, but this, this story is virtually the same one Grandma used to teach us. She had a little book, though. It was awesome. It had a little book with the hen and all the little chicks. You, you can see the book. See? I couldn't find I looked for it online. I couldn't find what I needed. Anyway, listen to the story. As the embers cooled, the devastated farmer was walking over the ruins and noticed a burnt lump on the ground. 
He prodded it with his stick and saw that it was a hen burned to death. The farmer turned the hen over and to his surprise outran three chirping baby chicks. The hen had died in the flames even as it saved the lives of her helpless brood. And, and I, I, as I was preparing and I was, I was thinking about this story and, and, and I, I vividly remember my grandma sitting there with this book in her hand and turning the pages and, and the little hen and, and the little chicks and, and, and all that taking place. And then this, and it, as I read the Scripture here in a few moments, you're going to see that this story so relates to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He even says it in His Word. So let's, let's get our Bibles out. Let's hold them up. This is God's Word for me today. This morning, the title of my message is, It's a Parade, Why Are You Crying? Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28 is our, is our scripture for this morning. I'll give you a moment to find it. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you where you are entering, and you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will be set up, will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Lord, this morning help us to realize the importance of recognizing you. Help us to realize, Lord, who you are, not who we think you should be. And help us this morning, Lord, realize that you have come to bring us life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, as, as, as we think about parades, you know, we all like to go to parades and we all see the the candy, and we all see the, the politicians, and we see the, the companies and the floats, and, and we, we love parades, right? We do. It's, it's something we enjoy. 
Um, you know, I can remember taking my kids in the parade on the, on the truck, and then this last year I had the privilege of taking some of my grandkids on that truck and driving that truck down Main Street and, and, and letting them throw candy. And, and, and it's exciting because it's fun. And yet we see here in this very first parade recorded maybe, we see the streets lined with people and, and we see all the makings of a parade that we would see today, right? And we see the, the, the Grand Marshal ready to come down and we think, oh, the excitement. And, and we, the scripture even records the excitement in the air and, and how, how excited everybody was to see this one that had healed the sick raised the dead and, and done all these miraculous things and here he is he's coming in and whoo excited and when jesus rides up and he sees the city he begins to weep he begins to cry and he begins to to think to himself and just begins to speak about how sad he is because of what's about to take place in the lives of these people because they didn't realize, they didn't realize what he had come to do. They didn't realize it, that he had come to save them from so much more than the Roman Empire. But in this moment in time, he realized that there was something much deeper about to take place. Many believed in the crowd that day that Jesus was going to destroy and crush the Roman government. There's, there's even a, a point where uh, it, it tells us that if Jesus had, had asked his disciples and the whole crowd would have taken up swords and they would have attacked the Roman government because they believed so firmly that Jesus was going to be their salvation from the Roman government. And yet we see on this day, even as Jesus rides into town, he begins to look and he begins to weep because they missed it. They missed the whole point of his coming to earth as a baby. They missed the whole point of his last three and a half years of ministry. He was trying to show them and he was trying to teach them of something much bigger and much deeper than, than what that day was all about. That that day they were looking at it as that day and he was wanting them to see that as something that was much bigger than a moment in time. So we ask, why did Jesus ride on a donkey into town? Why did he choose to not tell them to go find the nicest stallion that you can find, you know, the biggest, whitest, strongest? That's what I want to ride into town on. That's what I want people to see me on. That's the kind of conqueror I want to be. Well, one is was to fulfill the prophecy that God had given hundreds of years earlier. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, the Bible teaches us that not one word of prophecy will go away until it has all been fulfilled. When Jesus came, there's many times it talks about to fulfill prophecy. God had, 
had given a prophecy about what was to take place. And here is just another instance of Jesus fulfilling that prophecy that God had laid forth. The second thing about this was to declare that he is a king. You say, well, a king on a donkey? But see, in times of war, the conquering king would ride in on a stallion and he would ride in in power and, and he would make a show. But in a time of peace, he would ride in humbly on a donkey. And so we see that Jesus was riding in to show not that he was going to destroy the Roman Empire, but as a humble servant of the Most High God. You see, I don't believe that Jesus was looking at this time as a grand celebration, but as a time of deep, heartfelt compassion for a people that needed what he had but didn't see their need for what he was giving. That had a need for something so much bigger than to be delivered from a, a tyrannical ruler. See, there, there are people all over the world today that are living under oppressive regimes that deny them the, the, the gospel, deny them to, to go sit in a church this morning with a Bible in every pew. That deny them the right... To, to hear the gospel preached the way we preach it, that, that deny children to be taught about Jesus Christ openly. And yet, we're seeing revivals in those parts of the world. We're seeing uh, salvation. We're seeing the Chinese people getting saved. Uh, and, and I don't even think I've told my wife this, but this, a friend of mine just adopted a, a Chinese baby, or not a baby, she's five. So they had to go over there and spend a couple of weeks in China. And throughout their time there, they met people that told them that they were Christians. Obviously, they could tell they were Christians. He said one, they got out of a cab one time. They'd taken a cab, and the guy says, God bless you. And the guy says, I say God bless you because I'm a Christian. And this is a place where you don't openly tell people that you're a Christian. And yet... So, so, so Christ was trying to... I, I have come for more than just to conquer that because... It doesn't matter what kind of a repressive regime you're under. It doesn't matter what the laws of the land tell you you can or can't do. When it comes to spirituality, you can still get saved. You can still have Jesus in your life. And Jesus was coming to, to show them it's not about who your earthly ruler is that matters. It's about who your heavenly ruler is that's important. So He comes riding in humbly on a donkey to say, I have come humbly to bring you the deliverance that you really need. As we remember Jesus and what we just read, as He came into the city, He wept. John chapter 1, verse 11 says this, He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. You see, we, we face dilemma in the church today because it's, it's easy to want to compromise the gospel for the sake of bigger attendance. It's, able, it's easy to want to compromise the gospel for the sake of more money in the offering plate. 
But in the end, if we do that, if we compromise on the gospel, where will we find ourselves? All lost. You see, the gospel changes lives if we let it. But if we don't, if we don't allow it to change us, we will be just like we were before. Jesus walked this earth for three and a half years, and when he hung on the cross, there was a handful of people that stuck by his side. A handful of people that didn't run and hide. A handful of people that would willingly admit that they were there because of him. So we find ourselves many times trying to, in a dilemma, do we preach the gospel or do we water it down so we don't offend somebody? I find that not such a big problem for me. But there's so much pressure in the world. Jesus came to say, listen, you got to follow me. you got to do what I command you to do. And if we come, as he has come, are we willing as the church to say, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. I will follow you. I will listen to you and do what you ask. You see, today, we tend to only look at our need right now. See, the, the, the Jewish people were simply looking at what they thought their need was. They thought their greatest need was to be delivered from Roman rule. Jesus knew their need was to be delivered from sin. See, sometimes I think we come in with the wrong idea. My greatest need is this. If you would just meet this need for me. And God's saying, your greatest need is salvation. If you let me meet that need, then we can work on the other things. Or maybe if you let me meet that need, I can help you live under this oppressive regime that you feel like you're under. So this morning, I, I, you ha, we need to ask ourselves, what do I perceive my greatest need? I heard, I heard, I can't remember if it was on the radio yesterday, or like I said, I, very, I listened very little to the radio, but, but it just simply basically said kind of this thing. We, we overuse the word need. We, oh, I need a new TV. Why? Well, because that one's only a 60-inch, and I need an 80-inch. He woke up. The sugar must have kicked in. And is that not right? How many have said, okay, just think, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't, but think in this last week, how many have said out loud or thought to yourself, I need this. And now I want you to look at that thing that you said you needed, and I want you to evaluate it. Did you need it? Or should you have said, I really want this? There's nothing wrong with wanting things. There's not a thing wrong with wanting a, a, something new, something big or something. But, there, but when we place that want and we say, I need, and then we place that need as, well, this is what I need, God. It better be what we really need. 
Because otherwise, we're going to be disappointed. Sometimes we put those out there. God, I really need this. And God said, you don't really need that. You need me. You need me. And if you would get me like you need me, you would realize that these other things you think you need are just wants and they're not that big a deal. Come on, can you not see yourself in that picture? I can see myself in that picture. Again, there's not, there's not a thing wrong with wanting things. There, well, as long as you put them in perspective. There's not a thing wrong with feeling like, I'd like to have a new car. I'd like to have a new house. I'd like to have a new job. I'd like to have, you know. But what are you doing with that desire? Are you putting it in, in under God's umbrella and saying, God, I'd like to have this, but what do you think, God? Would that be good for me or bad for me? Evaluate it on that. But they, they of that day were simply looking at the Roman oppression and they thought, oh, we just, that's what we need. And God was, Jesus was just simply saying, you need delivered from your sin. If you will let me deliver you from your sin, you will see that this is not such a big deal. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 says this way, and this is again as Jesus speaking. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. So the book came after the Bible, right? The story may be real or it may just be a story, but the concept is true. Jesus says to, his, to Jerusalem, my desire is they're in the fire, in the storm that we talked about this morning. My desire is not that the storm isn't there, but that you would, I could gather you under my wings. And when I gather you under my wings, guess what? You're protected. The fire is still raging. And I'm, I'm going to have to give my very life, but in the end picture, you're protected and you're safe if you will just come. But you know what we do sometimes? We're stubborn. I've been told that. Been told that I'm like my dad. I'm stubborn. I don't believe that, Lamont, because I know that there ain't none of that in that family line. Not a bit of it, buddy. There you go. And sometimes in Jesus' infinite knowledge and wisdom and love, He says, come on under my wing. I want to protect you from this thing. We think, oh, I'm okay. I'll, I'll weather the storm a little longer on my own. I'll get a little bit closer to the fire before I run in. I'll be okay, God. And what happens is too many times we find that we come too late that we don't get under that protection. And we, realize, we have to realize the whole time He's standing there and He's saying, come on in. I want to protect you. And Jesus, He says, how many times have I desired and you refused? Maybe this morning He, he has called out to you. Maybe through the, the worship. Maybe through the, the Word of prophetic word that He has given this morning, He is calling out to you and saying, what you need is to come under My wings. What you need is to come in to Me and let Me protect you. But what you're doing is you're weathering it yourself. 
what you're doing is you're, you're stubborn. And you stand out there and you say, I can do it on my own. But let me tell you, we heard it in Sunday school. You, want to hear? you cannot. If you think, the Bible also says, be careful if a man thinks he is strong lest he falls. Something to that effect. That isn't a quote word for word. Be careful if, when you think you stand lest you fall. What's he saying? You think you can stand on your own? You're a fool. Ooh, pastor, you're going to make somebody mad. Well, get in line. Take a number. If you think you can do it on your own, you're foolish. Scripture tells us over and over. And Jesus says, listen, it's not about the government. It's not about the oppression, oppressive rule. It's about the fact that you're lost in sin. And my desire is to, to draw you in. My desire is to bring you under my wing. My desire is to protect you and to keep you safe. You see, we're, we're in the middle, and, and I'm not, I, I will not be political, but we're in the middle of, of, of a war now in, in, the, in the country on so many levels. So many people protesting and shouting, and, and I'm not saying they're right, I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I will say is, is all these things, drugs, guns, uh, all these things that, that are they're prevalent in our society today, they're not the problem. The problem can be summed up in three letters. S-I-N. Because you can take away everything else. Think about Adam and Eve. What did they have in the garden? They had perfection. And what they choose to do with it? Do the one thing that they were told they couldn't do. It wasn't about what was there that was the problem. It was what was in here that was the problem. Come on now. There's a lot of things in life I'd like to see changed. There's a lot of filth I'd like to see off of TV and, and off the internet. And there's a lot of... A lot of hateful things that are being said about people. And there, there are a lot of things I'd like to see changed, and the only way it's going to be changed is sin gets removed from somebody's life. The problem in society is sin, and Jesus is the answer. You see, this morning, we as Christians should be put ourselves in Jesus' place. And when we, we look over our family, and we look over our friends, and we look over our neighbors, and we see that they have rejected the one thing that can change their life, we should be weeping for them. We should be crying, God, they need a Savior. They need to accept You. They need What they need is Jesus. They don't need another program. They don't need a handout. They don't need a ho new home. They don't need... They don't need this, and they don't. What they need most is Jesus. And we as Christians, sometimes we don't even see that. Sometimes we don't even see their deepest need is simply not saying that. Don't get me wrong. Their deepest need is Jesus. Does that mean we don't help people? No, we do. We help people whether or not they say, I'm going to get saved, whether or not they're going to come to the church. Yes, we do. But ultimately, it needs to bring us to the point where we present them with what can meet their greatest need. And that is Jesus Christ Himself.
Jesus also, at this point, and, and, and I'm so strong in believing this about Jesus because the Word teaches it, but that Jesus in these moments had such human emotions. He was born human. And in this moment, as he looked out, I'm sure that his heart was broken, not only for the people that have rejected him, but for his, the fact that even he himself was going to have to go through in these next few days. In these next few days, he was going to face ridicule, and he was going to face beatings, and he was going to face mockery, and he was going to be spit on and slapped. But you know the greatest thing that he was going to face? The greatest thing he was going to face was the fact that on that cross when he hung, hung there that his father couldn't look on him any longer because of the sin of the world that was thrown on him. He never sinned. He had no sin in his life, but the sins of the world, the sins of Terry, placed on his back. For a moment in time, his father could no longer look at him, not because of him, but because of the sin that he carried. See, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what was ahead. But at no point in time in this week did He turn His back and say, I refuse to go. At no point did He say, God, I know this is Your plan, and I know I came here to do it, but now I refuse. He had Scripture reveals to us that he had the opportunity to call out to God and to allow the angels of heaven to come and, re and remove him from that. But what example would that have been to you and I? What Jesus did was he followed through with the plan. He followed through even when he came to the garden. And he was weeping and he's crying and he, and he, and he sweat as great drops of blood and and he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. God, if there's another way, I'll take it. If there's any way that I don't have to go through this, I will. But then he, then he says, and I believe, it. here's my mind, here's my thoughts. He began looking down through time. And he began to see that there was only one way for us to be cured from the problem that we have, sin, was that he would give his life on the cross. And he looked down through time and he saw each and every person that would receive him. He said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And so on this day when he rides through town, he sees, he sees the joyous crowd. He sees the city. He sees the disciples. He sees all that's taking place. And what does he do? He cries because he knows that they're going to reject him. And he knows that many today are going to reject him. And in his heart he knows, I have come to save people from their sin, and many people will die in their sin because they reject me. See, the Bible teaches us that there's a narrow way, and few there be that find it. The sad point about that is, the majority of people choose to reject the way of salvation. The majority of people refuse to accept the Savior that came to save them from their sin. They want Him to save them from everything else. But don't mess with my sin. 
Get me out of this spot, Lord. Heal my body, and I'm all for healing. You know that. But many people, that's all that, that's the need I have. If I just had healing, I'd be fine. If I just had this thing, I'd be fine. And Jesus says, what you need, and this morning I'm going to say it again, what you need is you need to be free from sin. And there's only one way to do that, and that's to come to Jesus. Let me bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want you to know that just as Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, the Holy Spirit has arrived in your life. And I ask you this morning, what kind of a reception is He getting from us this morning? Is He getting that reception of, oh yes, He's come to do this, and He's come to do that, and He's come... Or are we realizing today that He has simply come, the most important thing He can do is to be our deliverer from our sin? If you've been forgiven this morning, if you've, been, if you've asked Him to forgive you, guess what? He did that for you. But there may be somebody here this morning that would say, Pastor, I, I have not, I've not accepted Him as my Savior. Maybe I've asked Him to do this for me. Maybe I've prayed to Him and asked Him to do certain things for me. But as you're speaking this morning, I realize the most important thing I have not asked Him to do is to be my Savior to forgive me from my sin and cleanse me from unrighteousness and help me to turn from that sin and live for Him. I'm a pretty uncomplicated guy. The way I see it, there's only two choices. Either you accept His forgiveness or you reject Him. I'm just too simple to see it any other way. And I've been in that place where I've rejected Him, but all the change He made when I accepted. The change He made when I realized my sinfulness can be washed away by His blood and His forgiveness. This morning I'm just going to ask, is there one here this morning that would say, Pastor, I just need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. That's where I'm at today. I realize that's what I need today. That's what I came here for. I might have thought I came for some other reason, but I realize now I came here because Jesus brought me here because I need to be saved from my sin. I need to be delivered from my sin. If there would be one here this morning that would say, that's me, Pastor. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray that prayer. Yes, yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you for that this morning. Nick, I'm going to ask that you put something on, some music on this morning. and I'm just going to ask this morning, if you raised your hand, I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. But before I do that, I'm just going to ask you this morning, if you're here this morning and you realize in your life that you have put too much focus on the things that you feel you need and realize this morning you're, you're saved and you're a Christian, and you know you're going to heaven, but you know you need to more focus on Him. You need to focus on His plan and His purpose for your life. You've been focusing too much on the things of, of life that you feel you need, but this morning the Lord has reminded you that even though you're saved, even though you've accepted Him, you still need Him in your life more than you need anything else. I'm just going to ask you to, to come and 
find a place to pray and just cry out. Just let him know. Say, Lord, I'm just surrendering to you today because I realize I need you more than I need anything else. Whatever that thing might have popped up into your head this morning, realize that you need him more. If that's you, just come up around these altars and let's just pray for a little bit. If you raised your hand this morning and said, I I just want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, I want you to come and I, I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to be able to know when you leave this place that your life has been transformed.